we've all been watching with a keen eye as the political uh, play has been just absolutely devouring the news cycle about the 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 foreboding nature of a, of a debt crisis defaulting on the debt in the United States, just a showdown between political parties uh, unfolding. One of the topics we want to speak with, with our global news, Washington correspondent, Reggie Cicchini, who joins me on the line. Thanks for joining us, Reggie. Appreciate it. Good afternoon. What's happening with, uh, I almost said Donald Trump, with President Joe Biden and Speaker of the House, Kevin McCarthy. Have they come to an agreement? Yeah, so over the weekend, uh, an agreement was reached, an agreement in principle, uh, where both sides uh, managed to give enough, get enough that they were able to get, you know, 99 pages worth of legislation written uh, in an attempt to avoid a default. Uh, but it's just one hurdle clear here, Jody, and that's because this still has to go to the Rules Committee. And if it gets out of the Rules Committee, this still has to go to the floor of the House for a vote. And then it has to go for a Senate. And what does that mean? Well, it means that there is still days that need to go by. And the more days go by, the closer the U.S. gets to that debt default X date, which is now believed to be June 5th. But ultimately, again, the agreement in principle is one thing. Clearing the rules is going to be a completely different thing because there are differing views on how both parties are looking at this bill. Right. So what has the reaction been? Because, I mean, both both Republicans and Democrats need every vote they can to make this happen. I mean, everything in the U.S. seems to be sitting pivoted on this very pointy 50-50 situation. Um, so within each party, there there has to be consensus as well. Yeah, and, and there's not. Uh, I mean, if we start with Republicans, there is already anger that they believe that while this bill in their eyes uh, doesn't give Democrats any wins, they also believe that this bill doesn't do enough to claw back on some of the spending or some of the what they believe to be extraneous spending is. Uh, and there are members of the hardline Freedom Caucus in the Republican Party that are not happy about this. And when I said it might not, you might have a, a difficult time clearing the rules committee. That's because half of the Republicans on that committee come from the Freedom Caucus. And typically, historically, the opposing party on rules will always just vote something down because they don't want it to go to the House floor. Might be different this time because mm. it's a debt ceiling, but there may not even be enough Republicans in the Rules Committee that are happy with what this bill is going to do. That's why we say we don't know if and when this is going to wind up on the House floor flip side. Uh, the president's team, the White House, actively trying to whip Democrats to say, look, we had to give up some things. We didn't have to give up the whole house here. Uh, and ultimately, giving up a little bit is better than going into a default. It's been really something to watch in terms of just the how many times over the last number of years, Reggie, have the words unprecedented come out of your mouth? So even going into something that feels like political theater, when we're talking about defaulting uh, the U.S. economy, basically, um, and what that might mean. Typically, it is a lot of theater. Like you said, you just vote it down, and that's that's how it, how it works, and then you, you fight back and forth. And we had heard Joe Biden say, I'm not negotiating here, and yet he had to uh, at the end of the day. Was that expected, unexpected? Sure. I mean, look, the president said that he wasn't going to negotiate, uh, but ultimately he knows that governing and uh, and good governance in a democracy means that there is always going to be give and take. But it is especially right. true when you are governing as president 
in a split government where you have 50 percent of, uh, of of the chambers controlled by the opposing party. It is always going to be uh, a game of you give some, I give some, and then ultimately who blinks first. Democrats, look, they, they did get losses in this. They, they are going to have to deal with uh, work requirements around things like people who, who may be trying to access or keep accessibility to things like food stamps or family assistance. Uh, but ultimately, they are also going to tell the voters, look, we had to give up a little bit, but it's better than the American people bearing on their shoulders the burden of uh, a full government default, which has never happened before. And, well, it would be a politically, um, you know, kind of almost a death bullet to the president. It would also be the same thing to the Republican Party. And both parties know just how catastrophic this would have been, regardless of the bluster that was coming out of some Republicans' mouth that this simply didn't matter. We're with Reggie Cicchini, Global News Washington correspondent. Reggie, what what is at the crux of uh, um, the debt the, the debt ceiling being hit? What would have tumbled first, or what would the like? What it's, does it start with the military, or does it start with social assistance? Is it social security? Like, what are the pieces that would? Combination of a, of a bunch of things. And look, realistically, in all, tr in all truth here, the United States hit the debt ceiling in, uh, in the middle or towards the end of January. And they've been using what's known as extraordinary measures, essentially robbing Peter to pay Paul within government programs in order to money, uh, make sure money is there. By June 5th, uh, the Treasury Secretary has said, look, the money coming in from revenues, from quarterly payments, from taxes, that's not going to cover what's going out. So the first things to be felt uh, would be soldiers' salaries. Uh, Social Security checks would start to dry up almost immediately. And as the days go by, within the first two, three, four, five days, uh, Medicare payments would stop being made. Hospitals would start losing funding. And within a week, schools would start to lose funding. And then within 14 days, uh, there's a risk that the debt wouldn't be able to be paid. Creditors would be coming forward and the United States simply wouldn't have the money. The, the kind of good news in all of this is if they can get this passed, the default is likely not going to happen. And a part of the compromise was that for the next two years, there will be no fight over the debt ceiling because it, it, it will just be raised uh, for the next kind of two cycles. And that becomes pivotal, especially in an election year, because Republicans won't be able to kind of hold this hostage again uh, and force right. a negotiation months before the election. Wow, there's so much there. But as it is right now, things are looking much more positive than they did perhaps a week ago. So, you know, as we as I mentioned, the unprecedented nature of what we've seen happen over these last number of years, um, you, you know, it's hard to lean in on. It's never happened before. <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, look, look sure, it's, 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 we've come close. In 2011, the U.S. did come close to a default, and it took a credit rating hit because of that, and that was a real threat again this right. year. But again, markets have been so unpredictable, especially in the wake of and in the years now post-pandemic and with inflation still incredibly high, there was some real concerns here that it would flip the U.S. into a, into a recession. And what happens at that point, Jody? Well, the world reacts, and then you wind up the risk of Canada watching its markets drop. You wind the risk of Canada being thrown into a kind of recession that's tied to the United States recession. So it's an issue that has a huge domestic impact, but the ramifications ripple way outside of the U.S. borders, and there wouldn't really be a country around the world that wouldn't be impacted by a debt default right. from the United States. After the 2020 election and the attack of January 6th, my fellow Republicans wanted me to lie. 
They wanted me to say that the 2020 election was stolen, that the attack of January 6th wasn't a big deal, and that Donald Trump wasn't dangerous. I had to choose between lying and losing my position in House leadership. As I spoke to my colleagues on my last morning as chair of the Republican Conference in May of 2021, I told them that if they wanted a leader who would lie, they should choose someone else. That is the unmistakable voice of U.S. Representative Liz Cheney as she delivered a commencement address at a Colorado college yesterday, um, repeating her fierce criticism of former President uh, Donald Trump and the big lie that continues to perpetuate the United States. I thought that was a pretty poignant piece as we continue our discussion with Reggie Cicchini, Global News Washington correspondent. Uh, More with Donald Trump, uh, he was very active on social media today in his all caps way. Is it it's truth social that he is on, right? Uh, it is. Yeah. And I mean, look, his his truth social today, uh, you know, in an attempt to mark, commemorate, celebrate Memorial Day uh, became just a, a an attack on, you know, what he sees as the people who are actively trying to bring down the country. Um, and, you know, we've seen this before in previous posts on previous days of, of kind of marking uh, significant moments in American history. He attempts to make it about himself. But at the end of the day, uh, you know, his words were simply just words. And ultimately, uh, it was the words of the president today laying a wreath at the tomb of the unknown soldier that 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 meant far more to the country uh, as they marked the day. One would hope that that would be true as as this is such a, a day of reflection for those in the United States, uh, definitely. Um, and and the, the narcissistic nature of what that uh, social media post was, it was rather a word salad, I might say, <laughs> trying to perhaps uh, hold at bay the the pressure that he's feeling, maybe walls closing in a little bit with regard to some of the, the legal issues that Donald Trump uh, continues to suffer and see coming down the pipe and the, the movement of some documents. That, that was some new news in the last week or so, uh, those Mar-a-Lago documents being moved before the FBI raid. Yeah, before it was some it was bombshell reporting by uh, by the Washington Post eventually picked up by a couple of other outlets down here. Um, and and again, it, it it speaks to what could potentially be uh, alternative or new or other motives by the former president when it came to uh, the documents that were in his house. And look, I spoke with a former um, deputy assistant attorney general from the Bush administration a couple of days ago, right after all this news uh, came out. And he said, look, uh, if the if the uh, special counsel, Jack, Smith is able to eventually bring charges forward, um, it's likely going to be done under willful negligence here. And he went back to say, you know, everybody is talking about the fact that Biden had uh, documents uh, or the fact that Hillary Clinton, you know, erased her her servers. Uh, and he made the point of saying, look, when Hillary Clinton uh, was accused of all of that, it was considered gross negligence. But for the former president to be actively moving things around to essentially subvert the government and go against a subpoena, that's why he said that this would be considered willful negligence. And that could potentially become problematic as the walls start to close in on the former president and we potentially get close to what could be an indictment or some form of charge in this case. And what are we seeing happen in Georgia with President Donald Trump from a legal perspective? 
Well, I mean, th it, within uh, the end of July, the first couple of weeks of August, we've heard uh, that the prosecutor from Fulton County, Fonnie Willis, will uh, also be in a position of potentially moving forward on indictments. And this has to do with the uh, attempts to overturn the 2020 election. And it ties in people like Donald Trump and like Lindsey Graham, who played active roles here. If everyone remembers that phone call Trump had where he was asking for 11,000 and change votes that would essentially tip it in his favor, uh, there could be uh, obstruction charges here and, and uh, election interference charges that are ultimately brought against a former president, a former president who is already indicted. A precedent has been set at this point. But to have uh, this prosecutor and the special counsel potentially closing in at almost a simultaneous clip here, this could have a huge impact, not just on Donald Trump's electability, but on the campaign itself, because does that suck the oxygen out and force other candidates to then have to talk about Donald Trump to make themselves different than him? Or does he use this to his political advantage? Yeah, because half of the country would look at that as as always oh, a martyr. Um, January 6th sentencing, I've only got a minute left here, um, but the January 6th sentencing of the head of the Oath Keepers, massive, massive jail sentence for him. Longest jail sentence that's been handed out uh, so far, 16 or 18 years of the, you know, more than 1,000 cases that have been prosecuted. Worth remembering, uh, he was not actively partaking in the attack, uh, but nonetheless uh, was convicted of uh, orchestrating it. The judge saying that he believed that he was an ongoing threat to democracy. And it, it shows that there is a, an ongoing push here to ensure that there is accountability. And I think going back to those words that we heard from Liz Cheney when she was on that January 6th committee, she told uh, in her commencement speech, resolve to do what is right when you're alone, especially when you are afraid. And that is that that that's that message to Republicans. Look, you may be isolated, but there is a good thing that you can do here and it can have a positive outcome. That's a perfect place to pause with you, Reggie. As always, I appreciate you taking some time for us. Thank you. Thank you.